Welcome to the Average Joe Jiu-Jitsu Podcast. This is episode 13, Thomas Rodzinski. Thomas Rodzinski is a third-degree black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and also a black belt in Judo. Uh, Thomas is an, is one of the head instructors at Roll Academy, located at uh, Orland Park, Illinois, specifically at 15629 South 71st Court, no, 71st, 71st Street Court in Orland Park, Illinois. And is also the host of Roll Radio Podcast. Thomas, thanks for coming on today and talking to me. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Except for my little uh, whatever's going on in my nose. So anybody who's listening, I apologize if I clear my throat or whatever. I've got some kind of like allergy thing going on or a head cold. Uh, Thomas, how old are you? And can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, um, you know, I'm 42. Um, so, um, I don't know, is this considered a middle age already or not? Yeah. Know. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I was 42 though. <laughs> I don't know exactly how this falls into the categories and, and all the other yeah. stuff, but yeah, I'm, I'm 42. Um, and yeah, I mean, you nailed it right in the beginning. It's, um, uh, you know, I have the privilege of sharing, um, jujitsu, my experience, my life, um, with students on the mat, um, and remotely these days, obviously that's, mm -hmm. that's fully available. And then recently last year and a half, we have launched the Roll radio mm -hmm. podcast, which, you know, it created a very interesting dynamic of conversation and points of stimulation for the students and people out there, I shouldn't say students, but people out there who really kind of want to engage with, you know, within martial arts, not only jiu-jitsu, but just martial arts in general. So it's been quite great, great journey so far. Awesome. Yeah, I, uh, I think you're doing a really great job. And uh, it's, it's an honor for me to have you on the show today. Uh, one thing that when I was looking at your background that I was like, oh, that's cool, is that you have a black belt, in both jiu-jitsu and judo. And, you know, anybody who's done a little bit of history or study of where Brazilian jiu-jitsu came from knows that it came from judo. Right. Um, did you start training judo first or, or jiu-jitsu? Jiu-jitsu. Jiu-jitsu okay. was, was my first passion. Mm -hmm. It started around the year 2000. Mm -hmm. um, judo, you know, as you know, judo has a big component mm -hmm. in jiu-jitsu, not only historically, but simply because most of the engagements start on our feet. So there was a mm -hmm. component of judo mm -hmm. um it, it you know but more formally just a few years back probably about four or five years back mm -hmm. i engaged more formally into judo and mm -hmm. you know i had the privilege of training um and you know learning more of the the they have a deeper understanding let's put just to put it mm -hmm. that way have a deeper mm -hmm. understanding of judo and throws and um what it really how the mechanics work um from from our feet to the ground so mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. And what was your impression of, of the Nawaz? I mean, yeah, the Nawaz in Judo, like as it's, as it stands today as a comparison to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, what was your opinion? You know, I, I, I look at them as two very different activities, okay. activity sports, you mm -hmm. know, um, even though one originated from the other, mm -hmm. you know, it all boils down to the fact that I think the goal and goal is very different in each, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. if you Jiu-Jitsu, even though we start on, the, on our feet and, and things go to the ground, most of the time we continue on the ground. So the, right. um, the, the emphasis is the goal and emphasis is really different, right? In judo, mm -hmm. moment your shoulders touch the ground, it, it's, it, it's over, you know, mm -hmm. go get your water bottle, hot dog, you know, keys and you can go home. <laughs> I mean, that's essentially it, right? right. So it, it, it's a very different 
goal behind the activity itself, right? Mm -hmm. So in judo, we have to be very aware of what is happening on our feet. In jiu-jitsu, I think it, the approach is a little bit, there's, there's some leniency, if you will, right? So mm -hmm. if you are going to get taken down or if you sit down, go to the ground, the consequence could be in the tournament scenario, there could be points, mm -hmm. but it's not end of the world. It, you, mm -hmm. We can continue to recover from that. So I look at them as two very different activities with a different purpose now mm. they complement each other quite greatly mm. um you know ju judo to jiu-jitsu and jiu-jitsu to judo mm. um so i i think for those who are engaging in jiu-jitsu as a practitioner i think jiu-jitsu plays a fundamental role not only from a skill set perspective but really to understand how balance works how um what opportunities we have standing up right mm -hmm. and especially those who who do compete, I think that is um, one of the big components that often often is missed mm -hmm. um, by practitioners and, and students. Oh, I agree. I think that, you know, the standing game, I know in my experience, the standing game wasn't really emphasized. We trained it, but it wasn't really emphasized. And so it just wasn't a strong skill. And I found like in myself and I competed a lot of times, I just, I would pull guard. I wouldn't try to do takedowns because I was like, there's no way I was, wasn't proficient enough with them to want to try them in a tournament. You know, so I, I see that. So in, in, in with throws, like the other martial arts I did in the past, I did learn probably four or five basic judo throws and, and we trained them, you know, in a controlled environment, but again, it never really was a live situation. So I never had the confidence. I still don't have the confidence that I really pull it off in real life right now. Um, but I, I would assume since you're obviously a black belt in judo, that your stand-up game is more judo based and, as opposed to wrestling based for competition. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, I have, uh, I, I, I don't have much of a wrestling background. Um, well, let's make it clear. I don't have any mm -hmm. wrestling background, period. Mm -hmm. I mean, whatever my wrestling comes from is from studying uh, a wrestling styles, really, to uh, improve my jujitsu and improve my, mm -hmm. uh, my, my stand up. So, yeah, you would be correct on that. A lot mm -hmm. of my, um, my approach on the feet will be very judo based, very throw based um, um, to gain that control on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. I actually have lately I've been playing with because I don't have access to, to, to judo or the time or the, the funding behind me to actually put time into doing that. So I just concentrate on BJJ. But I do like I like Bernardo Ferrara's way of doing it where he will pull guard like the half guard and then he'll wrestle from there. Mm -hmm. Like then he takes a take, you know, he gets a single leg, whatever to take, take down, gets on top pass, etc. I do like that idea too. Um, so I guess that's another way of, of implementing wrestling or takedowns or 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 pulling guard in a different way in a different with a different mindset. Yeah, uh, I think that's the beauty behind Judizo is that mm -hmm. it's it is so rich mm -hmm. in, in what we can implement and what we can do mm -hmm. um, that gives you know practitioners a lot of flexibility, if you will. I mean, right. you have plenty of jiu-jitsu practitioners on a very high level and their judo is phenomenal and you have mm -hmm. others who their wrestling is phenomenal right right and let's be honest there are some who mm -hmm. completely suck on their feet and mm -hmm. they are i mean world class on the ground so right. there was a lot of room i think to maneuver within mm -hmm. within these dynamics as long as you know what the goals are and as long as you know what the rules of engagement are really that's that's the key yeah yeah and i think what yeah and what your game is i mean like if you, even you look at like gordon ryan when he was you know first coming on the scene and making a name for himself his whole thing was you know ashigurami his legs and so he would pull you know there was no takedowns or anything you know um yeah so when did you start 
when did you start or when did you open Roll Academy? When did that happen? We opened um, uh, roughly six years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the Academy is freshly new. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it, 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 my life journey took me in the various different directions. And then about six years ago, about seven years ago, actually, we started the idea of, of opening an Academy and we, we went through a various of preparations and plans and, and things of that nature, including looking for location and all the other stuff. And, and it took us probably about a year to really, you know, open the doors. Right. Um, but once, once we did, you know, it, it's been, it's been quite a journey. Let's just mm-hmm. put it that way. A lot of, a lot of errors, a lot of obstacles, a lot of grind. It is mm-hmm. what it is, but I would not go back. I would not change it for anything. So mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. I, I envy. I mean, I, I started jujitsu at 41. I'm 50 now. And so obviously I'm not going to, my, my ambitions are not for like high level competition title or something like that, or being a world champion, but I really want to be a coach. That's my thing. So I really would like to one day have my own academy or at least work in an academy uh, for a good majority of my time and, and, and coach others. Uh, what has been the biggest challenge you've, you've faced as an academy owner and a coach? You know, there's been many. I mean, that, that's it, that's uh, it, it's really the bottom line. Um, but I think the biggest thing that was that struck me that hit me is that teaching jujitsu. Well, first, let's stack it back. I think owning a business which is a jujitsu academy that's one thing mm-hmm. teaching jujitsu that's another thing and then learning jujitsu that's completely separate and, and that was very eye-opening for me and i think that's that's often a miss those three are often mixed and missed factors when when it comes to being an instructor being a leader being a business owner um you know and even though i think they fall into the same bucket same category often they really don't have much to do with each other, right? And what I mean by this is, obviously, in order for you to teach jiu-jitsu, you need to know jiu-jitsu, but Mm -hmm. there's plenty of examples of individuals who are world-class, top-level competitors and jiu-jitsu phenomenal practitioners. Mm -hmm. And their teachings, you know, their teaching skills are just not there or there's room to improve. And, And their results and you know, very unique experience where, you know, we're not going to judge anybody or, mm-hmm. or, or get to that, but th- there are also, there's plenty of examples of just average Joe Schmo um, who does achieve the level of black belt and then they become an instructor. And because of the effort they put into learning how to teach mm-hmm. their instruction is really, really phenomenal. And mm-hmm. there are plenty, plenty examples of that. You mm-hmm. have jo- guys who, you know, haven't accomplished a lot on the competition stage and maybe they have not been known to that level, but their mm-hmm. teachings is are just phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. So th- that was a really eye opening for me. Um, and then obviously there is the business aspect of all of this, right? It, it, mm-hmm. Just because, you know, jujitsu does not know that that doesn't mean that you know how to run business. Yeah. You know? yeah. And often I think academies are being viewed as, um, clubs, if you will, mm-hmm. you know, come, mm-hmm. we hang out, you know, there's friendships and relationships established, you know, and sometimes those, you know, conflict with what business, how business should be run. And, yeah. you know, and obviously it's a very delicate area where we have to navigate between relationships and all that. But if you want to run a successful business, you got to run the business. Right. You know, if, 
it's just it is what it is. Yeah, and I think that goes both ways. I think also with the with the students, they have to understand that too. They have to respect the fact that you're running a business and that you have bills to pay and overhead and et cetera, and you know, not to take advantage of the situation. Uh, I, what? How many hours a week do you teach personally, plus run the business? Yeah, that's always an interesting topic. I actually mm-hmm. had a conversation with one of my students, and and you know, I think my my ratio between teaching and then business operation is forty to sixty, meaning forty percent is teaching and sixty percent mm-hmm. is actually operational business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which. It, I, I know it might be surprising, you know, mm-hmm. I think there, there's, there's this misconception, I think, and in, in just in general, that instructors just come in, chill, they'll come in, they'll teach a class or two, maybe a private or two, and they go home and they do nothing, mm-hmm. they do video mm-hmm. games, maybe mm-hmm. they're the case for some of them, it's not, it's not, for <laughs> me. there's a lot of grind that goes into right. it, um, you know, so, um, you know, I, we put a lot of effort here with, with staff and everybody who's involved in instructors to make sure that Academy runs efficiently when we create an environment where students can really benefit. And there's a value behind the mm-hmm. time. And the, listen, there is a monetary investment in all of this. Like we, we right. can't hide that part. People pay to get service mm-hmm. and delivering the service at the highest level um, or what the expectations are, at least it, mm-hmm. it's, um, it's critical. I think it's critical right. for them to succeed. And it's critical for, you know, us as business owners, academy owners to, to really succeed. So, yeah. Yeah. That, that's, uh, that, that part is always like one of those, you know, the thing about them pay about how the students pay and what they expect to get back. And, and, and I've heard various instructors have various opinions on that. Some, some from the, the, range of, oh yeah, I'm here to, you know, to provide you the best service I can and give you everything you need to, uh, well, you're just paying to be a member of my club and, you know, and this is how we do things. And, you know, and you just go along for the ride. Have you, have you experienced uh, those type of personalities before? I mean, it, it listen, it, it everybody's going to do business their own way. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think there should be necessarily judgment passed on this guy runs his academy that mm-hmm. way and the other one goes around it this way. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's their academy. They can do whatever they want, mm-hmm. right? But I think from a student or client perspective, I would, I would really try to understand what are the expectations and what is being delivered. Mm-hmm. So, you know, can I train any day? Can I train mm-hmm. once a week? Mm-hmm. You know, are you, are you going to be teaching a class or somebody else is teaching a class? Mm-hmm. You know, what's included in all of this? Mm-hmm. You know, like, are there specific mm-hmm. rules? Are there specific guidelines? Are there specific things that have to happen? Like, it, it, I think all of that sets the client for success. And ultimately, if the client is happy and successful, the owner will be happy and successful. Mm-hmm. That, that's how I view it. I think a lot of these misunderstandings come into play where there's blurry lines, there, when there's gray area, you know, mm-hmm. things change unexpectedly with minimal communication. Right. And I think that's where, that's where, you know, higher or different expectations are being created. And I think that's a recipe, um, you know, for disaster. No, I agree. Those are all good points. I think those are good points for people to, to think about when they're looking for an academy too. If they're just new to jujitsu and they're not really sure where to train, those are all great, great questions. And, and I think what's important really to, to mm-hmm. keep in mind um, is that even though jujitsu might be for a lot of people, not every academy is going to be for everybody. Exactly. I think that's really, mm-hmm. really important to, mm-hmm. to think about. You know, if one is looking to start jujitsu, 
you know, I would really think about things like, what are the goals for the individual? You know, how old are they? Mm-hmm. What, what, what environment they are walking into, right? So like, we'll take two extremes and we have a heavy competition oriented academy, mm-hmm. you know, and then we have another academy who is maybe very self-defense driven over maybe the demographics are, you know, for middle-aged guys, you know, 35 up, you know, mm-hmm. the, 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 the chemistry and the deliverables within those environments will be very, very different. So you really have to ask yourself, what do I want out of this? And then I can start finding a place that's going to suit me the best, you know, from, right. from, from chemistry, culture, instruction, um, expectations, mm-hmm. and then pricing. I mean, that's a big, big factor behind mm-hmm. it. Too. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there are academies who will charge, you know, you know, $400 a month and there are right. academies who will charge $40 a month. And not that one is wrong than the other. Mm-hmm. It's just understand what you're getting for the price you're getting. And I think that's, that's really important. Yeah. Those are all, again, very good points. Yeah. And like, uh, like even academies that require you to have their geese, their equipment, you know, buy their stuff, you know, all those things are all important to consider. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, do you want to compete? Do you not want to compete? You know, you know, is the academy more competitive, you know, competition driven or, or just training driven? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is, are you looking for self-defense if you're not, you know, and on that self-defense, have you, what, what's your take on self-defense in, in BGA? What, what's your opinion of that? Well, I think, I think it's, you know, whether you're in sport or not, mm-hmm. whether you're competition or not, you, you, you're still defending yourself. Mm-hmm. That's how I look at it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, historically, I think jujitsu was sourced from self-defense and protecting yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, now, obviously, we're not going to be teaching uh, knife tactics and, and mm-hmm. defending with some of these street-like situations when mm-hmm. you have a competition-oriented academy, right. right? And the same thing, vice versa. You're not going to be doing Baron Bolo when somebody jumps you in the alley, right? right? So, so <laughs> it, 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 again, I kind of this boils down to really what your goal is, what you're trying mm-hmm. to achieve. You mm-hmm. know, my, my personal view is you really got to look at it, what you want. You know, if you, if you want to know how to protect yourself, well, then you got to invest into protecting yourself. You need to understand mm-hmm. how you will react onto those um, unusual and, and, and high stress situations, you know, and how will you protect yourself? You know, but if, if you want to compete, then you know, this might not be the place for you. Like right. you got to put these concepts of, you know, attack and street like situations aside and mm-hmm. you really got to focus on points, strategy tactics you know mm-hmm. and and how do you what do you do in a scenarios of five or seven minute match and mm-hmm. how you strategically move on from one point to another to achieve that goal which would be the first place right right is there do you, do you feel like there's also maybe a middle ground between those two i think so too i i, I think so too yeah absolutely and and again i think there's um going through these i think that what's beautiful Let's, let me spin it this way. I think what's beautiful that there are academies that will provide the middle ground, meaning mm-hmm. they have a program which is focused on self-defense. They have a program which is a little bit more um, um, sport-like driven. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they will cater towards maybe the um, 45 or 50-year-old guys in a safe environment, but at the same time, they will stimulate that 25 year old who has by far more energy and he's a little bit more agile mm-hmm. and, and, and it just requires a little bit different stimulation. You know, mm-hmm. I think that that's really what one needs to understand where they are walking into and what they are, what they are getting returned. Right. Well, those great points. Great points. So when did you start the, the role 
We're already a podcast. <laughs> we started doing COVID. <laughs> I'm already, laughing. Yeah. I'm, I'm laughing because, you know, I, it's, um, it, it was purely out of being bored. Mm-hmm. It was purely because we wanted to stay busy, right? So mm-hmm. there were those, you know, three months, I think, when the academy was completely closed here in Illinois and we were, you know, locked down and everything. And mm-hmm. even though we were doing online classes and, and some of that, um, uh, we were stimulating our students um, remotely. You know, mm-hmm. we, me and my guys, we were bored out of our minds. Like, we, right. what are we going to do? We went from right. literally eight, 10-hour days to one-hour day. Like, you're bored right. out of your mind. And obviously, we want to keep them busy from a compensation perspective and, and keep everybody employed. That was right. really important to me. Um, so I went to one of my guys and I said, Hey, listen, we're going to start a podcast. And he laughed at me. And he was like, Good luck. And I was like, no, no, we, we really are. Like, we don't know anything about podcasts. I was like, I know, but we're going to do one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we got the equipment and, and, you know, we, um, yeah. And, and, and we started it and, and, and it, you know, we kind of learned as we went and, and that few months gave us you know, ability to do some research and start some really interesting conversations, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and by now, you know, we, we, we've been at it for over a little over a year and mm-hmm. we've created some great relationships, you know, great friendships. Mm-hmm. And I think we could just simply creating an exposure to what jujitsu is and some of the historical facts of, um, uh, you know, where people came from, how they got to jujitsu. And ultimately, you know, we share a lessons and I think mm-hmm. that's what's important. It, it gives a little bit more exposure to somebody who maybe not ha- doesn't have the ability to meet guys like Horian Gracie or, or Roy Dean or Elon Knight or, you know, Robert Drysdale. Like it's just, mm-hmm. it is what it is. You know, some of these guys are not accessible because they are busy and there's right. a platform where they can really dip into it and they can listen to some of these very casual conversations and, you know, see that these guys are human just like us. And, right. you know, they just love jujitsu. Yeah, I actually started, I got the idea for mine during the pandemic as well, again, out of boredom and feeling isolated. Um, but yeah, I think that that was also probably a good time. Well, it was a unique time to start a podcast because people were more readily available because they were doing less because of the lockdown. Um, and you, you had a post on Instagram that caught my eye and you said, you, you know, you've recorded, when I looked at how many you've done, it looks like it's approximately 67 episodes, which is a lot, you know, within a year. Uh, and the top five most listened to episodes were Travis Stevens, Henry Akins, Robert Drysdale, Roy Dean, Chris Howder. These are a lot of these guys are like, you know, a lot of my top list, you know, like, like fanboy jiu-jitsu people, you know, that I fanboy. Oh, yeah. um, who is your most memorable guest in the podcast so far? I, I feel like that's such an unfair question. <laughs> I know, but I had to ask. <laughs> uh, well, you know, listen, I think um, first I'll tell you this. So, um, you know, me starting jujitsu, I've looked up to a lot of those guys myself. Mm-hmm. And again, I've been I've been on the mat for 20 plus years. Mm-hmm. And then yet, you know, all of these guys really, those are big names from way back in the day. They had established brands and names and academies mm-hmm. when when I was starting. So having conversations with them, it's almost like a drooling moment for me, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, right. So I can only imagine what impact that those conversations make of somebody who is just starting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? It's probably magnified by 10. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, I don't know if I have like one favorite that really stood out, but I think they all have a different characteristics. They all have different dynamics, you mm-hmm. know? So like, you know, Roy Dean, I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> 
deep philosophy. Mm, 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 so like, oh yeah. man, that guy, he could talk about, you know, mechanics and philosophy and why things work mm. for hours. What a phenomenal, mm. what a phenomenal conversation. And then you got Chris Howder, right. who, who's, I mean, let's just leave it at personality. You know, it's like- well, it's The dirty dozen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. talk about doing jujitsu before jujitsu was jujitsu. Like, right. and he tells the stories about going to the gym and having mm -hmm. fights and, mm -hmm. and, and like, you know, so it, it is such a, such a unique conversation with every single one mm -hmm. of those guys or even mm -hmm. Robert Drysdale, you just yeah. mentioned. I mean, yeah. he recently um, released the, the, his book and yes. he's working on his movie, mm -hmm. all about history of jiu-jitsu. You want to dig mm -hmm. into history of jiu-jitsu? Mm -hmm. Listen to that guy. I mean, yeah. literally traveled for, if I'm not mistaken, it was two years. Yeah. He went into Amazon and the whole thing. He found mm -hmm. all these black belts. Mm -hmm. And the, the most interesting part about his story was that between the time when he was visiting them, and when we were talking, I think four or five of those guys passed away. Wow. So think sponge that for a second. Yeah. He was likely the last person who has documented those individuals. And you're talking about guys who who started and 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 went through these 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 journeys with Helio Gracie, with Gracie right. family. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you talk about fundamentals core of what jujitsu is today without mm -hmm. these guys, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing. Yeah. So like when we were talking to him particularly, that was mind blowing. I was like, if, if he didn't do these interviews, these conversations would never take place. Yeah. Like, we never know. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. that's mind blowing to me at mm -hmm. least, you know, mm -hmm. and so it is to me too. Yeah. I, I actually bought the book. I have his book and I'm, I'm yeah. slowly getting through it. And for, for listeners, the, the name of the book is opening closed guard by Robert Drysdale. Mm -hmm. And it's basically, you know, it's the account of all the interviews that he made uh, while he was filming the uh, the uh, documentary that's still coming out that I'm really looking forward to seeing. I really want to see that thing. Um, but yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off. But yeah, it's 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 amazing that he was able to to put together all that information and yeah. and and just sort of open, you know, crack open the 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 curtain, you know, about what really happened and how it really developed and and so forth. Um, you know. Uh, all those guys you mentioned, all guys that I really enjoyed listening to. I've listened to many of them on other podcasts. Uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, gonna, I hope to get some of them on mine. Um, hopefully, I can I can get some of those interviews going. But yeah, I, I know that was sort of an unfair question, but I felt like you know I might be an interesting uh, topic or 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 discussion point. So I wasn't trying to put you on the spot. So I, I apologize. Um, what other uh, you know I, another another Instagram post that you made just when you can when you compete against everyone else no one I, wants to help you i i lost oh, you okay hold on oh yeah you're back on now but all right there you go okay repeat, like last 30 seconds last 30 seconds oh, i just said that you know i i know that was sort of an unfair question to ask you and i apologize i i, <laughs> I, I figured you would you would give me a you'd give me a, a you know not a, not a really a straight answer and i didn't expect <laughs> you to but i thought it'd be fun to ask um yeah. But no, I, I hope to get some of these guys on my podcast as well. I, I think that they're, they're very interesting people to listen to. I, I've listened to a couple of them on a couple of different interviews, and it's always a lot of fun. Um, I, I tend to listen to podcasts while I work out, while I do like strength conditioning at home or whatever, and it just passes the time, and it's a fun way to do it. Um, 
and and like i don't know if people if you caught it but i am looking forward to seeing that that uh, documentary that, mm-hmm. that uh robert's putting out that should be good and the books yeah, should I, be good. I, I know they are working on it well uh very extensively and mm-hmm. I, I think it's supposed to be coming out in 2023 i'm i'm not okay. Okay. i'm not sure exactly where they are with it at this moment but i mm-hmm. think um you know they, they had some obstacles and and they are working on those so yeah i'm okay. looking forward to that that's going to be awesome yeah when it comes out i'll be like just take my money just take it you know <laughs> Um, another good book, though, uh, around that same topic is Brief, Hickson's, yeah. Hickson's book that just came out. I'm reading that one as well. That's a really good book and actually very interesting as far as like his his uh, what he what he put in the book about his about growing up and his, you know, you know, teenage years and stuff he got into. And I was like, wow, I was gosh, surprised by some of it. Yeah. Yeah. There were some raw, raw moments. Yeah. yeah. And, and I really do appreciate him. Mm-hmm sharing some of those you know i mean putting himself in that vulnerability point of sharing mm-hmm. some of those really right you know very interesting stories you know yeah. with police and drugs and and people yeah. invested in all the and guns and other things yeah. so if, if you haven't read it whoever's mm-hmm. listening out there man yeah. I, it's worth it it's absolutely it's worth 20 bucks yeah getting it is everywhere you can get it everywhere mm-hmm. but it's worth it worth the money yeah it's really good books yeah, yeah. the, the Ford the Ford is really good too written by jocko willick the Ford is yeah. really good yeah and actually some of what he wrote in that forward actually influenced one of the questions on the, on the interview today. Cause I just, it's been going through my head. I'll just ask it right now. Uh, it's going through my head a lot lately. And, and I hear the term hobbyist a lot. People like to use the term hobbyist for people who train jujitsu, but don't compete. Mm-hmm. So there's usually this thing about hobbyist competitors. And personally, I don't like the term hobbyist, at least for myself. I, 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 I have been contemplating even just like putting my thoughts down and writing them, even putting them in like a solo episode of my podcast, which is like, don't call me a hobbyist. And I, and I think where that comes from is that, you know, I think one can train jujitsu with a genuine passion for the art, but maybe doesn't necessarily compete often. Maybe it's because of age, you know, available, you know, time to time to put the effort into it, et cetera. Um, and even when now with the pandemic, you know, it's just, you know, do you really want to do that right now? And, you know, he or she you know, does it for the martial art itself and for the privilege and, and for the positive it brings to them. Uh, jujitsu can shape the practitioner's core values, the way that he or she conducts themselves and all aspects of their life. That's really how I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, hobby is this um, very general statement mm-hmm. and it could mean a lot to a lot of different people. Mm-hmm. But I think what is important to think about is when you engage into um, studying of, of jujitsu is that um, it, it is very complex, you know, and it, and it will require um, a lot of devotion, a lot of uh, sacrifices, a lot of um, more you put into it, more you're going to get out of it. That's right. So, um, and let me make sure that this is, you know, kind of we are clear on, on, on what I mean by complex, because mm-hmm. there's a lot of different interpretations of it. I do believe that jiu-jitsu is pretty simple. Mm-hmm. It is simple from understanding perspective, but it has a multiple, mo- several layers. And those layers make a comp- create a complexity, essentially, right? So, if one, you know, wants to take a very shallow approach to jujitsu, I, I don't think it's really difficult um, to 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 learn jujitsu. And mm-hmm. I, I encourage everybody to try it, you know, and and mm-hmm. determine whether that's something that's for them. I don't think jujitsu is for everybody. Mm-hmm. However, I think everybody should try it. Um, now, from a complexity perspective, you can really, really take it deep. And this is where these layers come in. And you see, um, often you see, you know, black belt and the black belt, they are not the same. You see blue belt and blue belt, they are not the same. You know, one is higher skilled, the other one is, you know, still working on it. And I think that's the important part to remember. So going back to this hobbyist approach, you know, 
I think more ca more casual we take our studying, our education, then more casual results we are going to get. Mm. Right. So if if you're really trying to, there is a passion associated with this, and 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 you really want to study jujitsu and learn it and understand it, then there there will be a requirement of 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 putting effort into this. You know, and mm. it's not only you know, being six times a week on a mat. That's not even what I'm talking about. I'm talking right. about more about understanding what jujitsu is and, and you know, how is balance? How does balance work? How, how is gravity? How can I use gravity to my advantage and how can my, my partner can use gravity against me? You know, what are the mechanics of this choke? Where's the, wh how does armbar work? Like, do we really know what armbars are? I know you're pressuring here, you're pressuring there, but do you know what really happens? You know, how come Kimura is very different submission versus arm lock. I mean, mm -hmm. the mechanics of the motions of, of the joints are completely different, mm -hmm. right? So often you'll hear people saying that by the time you achieve your black belt, you know the entire autonomy of human body because it, it's you manipulate all these joints and, and apply pressure points and, and use, you know, you're cutting blood supply to somebody's head. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like um, you learn all of these things and you go through these motions and is all with the passion of for 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 the art, mm. right? So, um, I don't know if hobbies would be my favorite word, but I mm. do. We do have to acknowledge the fact that there will be guys who will train twice a week, consistency for, for consistently for ten years. Mm. Mm. They will become really efficient at it. Mm. Like we can't ignore that, and they will never, ever, ever, not even one time, step on the mat in a competition scenario, mm. and. There has to be a level of respect going to these guys because they're still putting the work in there, even though they are never going to be a world champion. Mm -hmm. Not everybody is going to be a world champion. And that's fine, too, at least in my eyes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that um, and I, I competed a lot during I'm purple belt now, but I competed a lot during white and blue belt. And then the pandemic hit. And, and I had my purple belt, I think, for a year before the pandemic hit. I got it in February 2019. Um, I did try to compete a couple of times. Brackets were very hard to get. I noticed that as, you, as I got older, the brackets were smaller and smaller as I got, as I went up in the belts. And so it became a problem to actually get a bracket. Then I actually had a bracket at a tournament. Uh, it was a Jiu-Jitsu World League tournament right before the shutdown and they, and they canceled the tournament. And so they still have my money. I'm still, you know, waiting to see what, what's going to happen. But, um, but I still just like, I just love to train and I train, you know, probably four or five times a week, four days a week. But I also feel that a coach can, I mean, yes, you learn from your coach. You do. I mean, there, there are techniques you're going to learn from your coach and there's things you're going to learn in, in principles. But I still think that the coach also, or the way I've always in, in, understood martial arts as I've gone through them through my whole life, most of my life, is that the coach can inspire you, but ultimately you're responsible for your own training. You're responsible for really the self-study, the learning, et cetera. And that's where, and that is something I really do do. I mean, even in the days I don't train physically, I try to watch instructionals or study something or read something about it and try, or just think about it. Um, so I guess that's where I'm coming from about the hobbyist thing. I, I get that. I mean, I understand there are people that train. I mean, I guess the person I consider a hobbyist is the person who trains like two or three days a week. And then when they're outside of the Academy, they're not thinking about it at all. You know, they're just going about their life and they go in and they have fun and they roll. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's absolutely totally cool. But that's the way I sort of look at a hobbyist, I guess, in my own view, I don't look, I don't consider myself a hobbyist. I feel that, Jiu-Jitsu has much more of a, a strong hold on my life and who I am than 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 well, a casual comment or a casual title like that. Yeah, and you you know we have to think about these different engagement points where we can mm -hmm. study, right? So I mm -hmm. think like 
training, quote unquote, jujitsu, mm -hmm. I think is very different from studying jujitsu. Mm -hmm. I think that they're, they're very different engagement points, right? So like quickly going through these different opportunities that we have. So obviously we can attend a class, mm -hmm. right? We can X amount of times we can do a class, right? Then we can attend seminars. I mean, that's mm -hmm. another engagement point, very different mm -hmm. from a class, right? But it's there, right? We can have aspiring sessions. We have drilling sessions. We can, mm -hmm. we can have a flowing session. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, all these are very different engagement points, which give us very different stimulation. Mm -hmm. um, that, then we can watch videos. Mm -hmm. we, we can watch videos. We can study the videos. Here's another mm -hmm. one. Often underestimated. We can make notes and read the notes. Yep. As stupid as it is, mm -hmm. making notes after your training sessions and see what you achieved and then collecting the data over a period of month, two, three or six. Mm -hmm. And then looking back and saying, oh, look, I couldn't pass the guard six months ago, but today I'm passing the guard two, three times every session. I, I mean, mm -hmm. that gives you a clear view of what is happening, mm -hmm. right? I think in general, jujitsu is so difficult to measure, right? So I'm pivoting off of that, your question, but no, it's, it, it, it's, if you look at, look at swimming, as mm -hmm. a swimmer, first one that comes, you came to my mind, you, you swim and you time it and mm -hmm. you, you get to the end, you get out of water and you see you did better or you did you didn't. And, and mm -hmm. it's pretty, pretty cut. Right. Mm -hmm. And same thing. You play hockey, you score a goal. Okay. You improve. There's speeds that you can measure it by far more efficiently. Mm -hmm. Right. In jujitsu, it's very, very difficult to do that for several reasons, but main ones are one, because it's co co continuously evolving. So co jujitsu itself, it's continuously changing. That's one. Two, we often compare ourselves to our peers. Right. And then, that's a moving target. That means we'll, we, we are chasing our own tail, essentially, right? Like mm -hmm. we'll never achieve that. So finding, finding anchor points where we can measure our own jujitsu is really critical to, um, to, to our own success. So we know how we are progressing, right? And the instructor should be doing the same thing, mm -hmm. right? I think instructor has a little bit easier job on that because they have the outsider view and they can see how everybody's working, you know, but looking at ourselves, <clears throat> It's very, very hard. It's like looking in the mirror every single day and you don't see that you're aging. But if you look at the picture from 10 years ago, you're like, damn, I was good looking, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's that. So mm -hmm. making notes, it's, it's in my opinion, I'm a huge note taker. Mm -hmm. Right here, look. My notes. Nice. Yes. I'm a huge note taker. So, and I take notes on everything, but that mm -hmm. helps me really create a anchor point as time goes on and I have a reflection point to go back. And more importantly, um, if you look at notes as a, as a, as a, as a tool, you know, it's two things. One, when you're writing a note, you're engaging a different part of the brain versus listening or, or visually, right? So that's one, but then when you go back and you read the same note, now you're engaging a completely different part of the brain because there's a comprehension. You're trying to understand what you wrote and you, you all mm -hmm. day, this mm -hmm. is your memory. I'm a, not an expert by any means on, on brain or any of that. But my understanding is that every time you take written notes, you are increasing your, your, your ability to memorize whatever you're writing down in these concepts, these steps. Mm -hmm. um, and that raises your success. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. that's the bottom line. And th that's what I call studying. Mm -hmm. It's not only being on a map, not only you know, going balls out and beating the crap out of each other is really understanding what is happening, why it's happening. Mm -hmm. And then how are we going to retain that information? How are we going to catalog this inside our head and then recall it at the right time? Mm. Exactly. So I actually have a notebook in my bag, you know, that I have for jujitsu. I have a, yeah. a book I keep. And in the fast, I mean, as, as a black belt who's trained for, 
as many years as you have, I doubt you're writing down like techniques. You're writing down other things. For the student though, who's starting out or even for an intermediate student or whatever, do you find that writing down techniques helps you retain or, or re, re, retain the information? Sometimes I used to do that where I would actually like put out these elaborate detailed notes on, on techniques that I learned. And then sometimes I went back and read them and I couldn't really, they didn't make sense to me. There were parts of it that it didn't work anymore. And I was like, what did I say? What was I saying? So do you think it's better to just write down statistical type information or things that pop in your head as opposed to trying to be so detailed that it becomes like um, almost a hindrance? Yeah. Yeah. That's actually a very good question. It's, mm-hmm. it's a very good thought to really kind of sponge and, and, and think about for yourself, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think everybody will will take notes differently. Mm. Um, Sam will write down step by step. And I was laughing when you mentioned that because mm. recently, probably six months ago, I found mm. a stack of notebooks, like mm-hmm. six or seven notebooks in my right. basement. And I'm like, what is this? And I flipped mm-hmm. it. And I was like, oh, those are my jujitsu notes when I was a white belt. <laughs> and I start reading. Listen, listen. Uh-huh. I started reading, you know, and I had a step by step technique breakdown. Mm-hmm. And I'm reading and I was like, it doesn't make any sense. What the <laughs> hell was I thinking here? Exactly. But but it's <laughs> it was it was very interesting experience. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, everybody takes notes differently, I think, and that's because we comprehend things differently. You know, right. our brains work very differently, and that's a big component of jujitsu that often is untalked about and underestimated. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we understand the mechanics? How do we understand the moves? You know, so I, I think. I don't know what's right or what's wrong. I don't think I'm the one really to kind of make the determination. How I'll tell you what I what what some things that to keep in mind or some things to take notes of. And if that works for 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 a student, that's great. One is a general concepts or mechanics. Like mm-hmm. let's just we talk about we talk about certain grips. You know what's what's most most what's most efficient way of gripping somebody, right? We have five fingers. There's a thumb and a four fingers. Yeah, understanding that maybe jotting it down close with all five fingers. That's your strong grip. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you leave your thumb out unintentionally intent, doesn't matter. That's 25%. That's 20% of your grip. You mm-hmm. just left out. Like mm-hmm. that, that's, that's a concept, right? So writing down some of those key keynote concepts could benefit a student. Number two, measure things. We briefly talked about this, you know, let's say I have five sparring sessions, special section, session one, I went with Bobby. How did it go? Quickly, in three words. Mm-hmm. It went well, blah, blah, blah. I got stuck on side control. Session two, I went with Johnny. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was on top. I passed the guard twice. See, now, now we're having a historical data to catalog and, and we can reflect on it a little bit later. Mm-hmm. You know, one of my students, and this is a true story, actually. One of my students, he said, listen, I, I'm struggling getting to the academy. I don't know what to do. It's, I'm just, I know I'm lazy. It's just like, it's a habit. I just need to break it up. And he goes, how can I do this? And I was like, okay, well, how many times would you like to attend? He goes three. I was like, we're going to make it two. I was like, what does that mean? And I was like, you're making two, twice a week across four weeks. That's a month. Okay. Mm-hmm. You're going to be eight times, times 12. That, that, there was a number, mm-hmm. this number, this is how many times you need to be at the academy a year. And I was like, well, that's a big number. I was like, well, not really, because this, that's twice a week. Now, if you do it three times a week, that means that number is going to continue growing. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, okay, all right. So he starts measuring that, right? And after a few months, he was like, I'm going to add more to this. I was like, okay, great idea. What are you going to add? So he goes like, I'm going to actually add not only how many times I get, come into the facility, I'm going to come in how many, I'm going to count how many classes I attend. Then I'm going to count how many sparring sessions I have. 
And then I'm going to count how many techniques I'm actually doing, you know, and, and there was, and he did this for about two years and, you know, it, during COVID, we, we were talking about this and he pulled all the data out and it was mind blowing because, you know, in a very simple way, his, his success was clearly climbing, mm-hmm. you know, more he went through this, not only he, first of all, he didn't attend twice a week. He started attending four times a week because he got so stimulated. Mm-hmm. He wanted to overachieve his goals. Right. You know? And so, and again, so this is, this is the power of note-taking. It gives us as an honest fixed point of reference in time, you know, and, and that allows us to have create a point of reflection point of, you know, think it's something to think about, you know, and then we can make adjustments from there. So, uh, you know, again, we can make notes, almost anything and everything, you know, I think it kind of boils down to what, what are we trying to study? You know, so mm-hmm. others, you know, create brain maps. I'm huge on brain maps. If, you know, if you're not familiar with brain maps, there's a logical connection between motions. Mm-hmm. You know? So, mm-hmm. you know, I have guard, you know, we knee cut, then to side control, then to knee on belly, then mm-hmm. to top control, mm-hmm. reverse mm-hmm. to the back control and so on. And you create this map of how, right. how things could flow. What are your options? Mm-hmm. That gives you a visual. Right. And it happens very often mm-hmm. where we're like, oh, yeah, I forgot about this. Yeah. I forgot this was there. And again, this is all notes taking. This right. is all taking notes and stimulating your mind. Um, you know, and, and as dorky as this sounds, I, I think jujitsu is way beyond just being on the mat. It, it's really right. studying it and understanding what's going on. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, I think, yeah, like, like, like a flow chart. That's a really cool idea too. But yeah, it, yeah those are all great points. I'm actually going to start taking those kind of notes, different types of notes. That's, I, I'm sitting here thinking about it while you're discussing it. I'm like, oh, I'm going to do all this. I'm going to start writing down all this stuff and see what happens. Maybe make a little spreadsheet, see what, how it is in 12 months, you know? I'll tell you, one of the things I do in my privates, mm-hmm. um, private lessons, you know, is I actually give my students homework. Like, mm-hmm. I, you, don't, you don't show up to my private lesson, I'll give you all the answers. Like, that mm-hmm. doesn't, I don't do it that way. I know some right. do it that way. You come to my privates and we are working. Mm-hmm. We, are, we are legit working. I'll guide you. You know, mm-hmm. I'll create a path for you. I'll sweep that path, get all the leaves out of the way. I'll put little signs, the directions in which mm-hmm. you need to go, mm-hmm. but you need to walk it. Like, mm-hmm. that's just how it works. Yeah. You know, so students often will have homework and their homework could be, listen, we're working on passing the guard. Great. You're going to mm-hmm. write down who you, who you went with. Mm-hmm. What was your success? How many times you tried passing a guard and what was your success rate? How many times mm-hmm. you succeeded? Mm-hmm. And then we come back and we talk about, okay, you went with Bobby. You didn't pass the guard. Why? Why didn't you pass? Well, because he is twice my size. Okay, that's a reason. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm with you. Okay, so we need to work on being more mechanical, understanding weight balance and strategies, how to control the hips and so on, so on. Okay, mm-hmm. good. You went with Johnny. Okay, how did it go? Oh, I passed him six times. Why? Why did you pass him six times? Why this one didn't work and this one did work? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's when we're getting deeper into these conversations and, and it, it gives you a bigger picture. Why, where, where the room to, where's the room, room to improve? Mm-hmm. And w- what works well and then right. from there we can start tweaking we can start modifying we can mm-hmm. improve and strategically making step by step by step and i think and the results are mind-blowing because right. you know, having that data in front of you it, it's it's you know something that you can't change it's, it's just raw truth of mm-hmm. what happened so mm-hmm. yeah that's interesting yeah and then maybe even even i think you said bobby right is the guy you passed Maybe Bobby's taking notes too. And then Bobby realizes why to get past six times. And he goes back and finds out why his guard retention sucks in that particular instance. And then he fixes it. And then 
Student A is back to square one again because he can't pass his guard again. So he has to figure yeah. out some other new ways. So everybody's everybody's coming up. Everybody's evolving and getting better. And and that's the thing too is you know yeah I think we have to remind ourselves when we're in the academy and we're doing well for a while and then we stop doing as well as that's because everybody else is getting good too. You know, so yeah. we're all figuring out your stuff and they're learning how to stop it. And, you know, and you got to figure well, out and, stuff. And that's a big, big, big something, mm -hmm. big point to really keep in mind. As mm -hmm. you're getting better, they're getting better too. Mm -hmm. And not only that, not only did they get better, but they're mm -hmm. also learning how to counter you. Mm -hmm. So things get more diff more complex. Mm -hmm. right? So we have to continuously evolve, continue working mm -hmm. new things. Mm -hmm. You know, and one of the things that my students found, they don't like doing this, mm -hmm. but it's a great tool. Film yourself. Yes. Yeah. Film you yourself. Start doing that. I, so start I know doing some that. instructors are not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm very on it and 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 some don't even like having videos in their academies and all that mm -hmm. that that's mm -hmm. between you know within the academy chem chemistry mm -hmm. and dynamics but mm -hmm. filming yourself is fundamental what we think is happening in our head as we are doing it is often not what's really happening right you know what i mean and video tells the truth mm -hmm. it, it, we do this often you know especially students who compete or even who students who who, who are working on very specific things mm -hmm. i'll tell them film yourself Literally film yourself and bring it back and let's talk about it. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I was passing the guard. I was, I, I, I was like, no, 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 you really, no, no. Oh, he passed my bar so many times. Why did he pass your guard? I don't know. He's stronger. No, you're flat on your back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, it, it's, it, let's churn. Let's create these angles. And then things change because mm -hmm. often we're not aware what we are doing. There, it, right. You know? So. No, yeah, it's true. I mean, I remember uh, a while back, like getting ready for my, for my, purple belt promotion i had to do we we had to do a five minute uh flow and and demonstrate it and, and my training partner i worked on it for months a good couple of months and we did film it and i remember watching it a couple of times like in the beginning like looking at it and going like oh it looks like crap you know and so i would i would i would be really i'm, I'm very self-critical as it is about stuff like that but i was watching myself and i was like no i don't like that and you know I, but it really did it really did make me, you know, tighten a lot of things up. And you're right. You don't really see it. You don't, when you're doing it, you really don't know really how it looks until you see it on film. A lot of times. That's a very good point. Yeah. yeah. Video, video tells truth. Whether we like it or it not. Doesn't lie. Don't lie. Picture doesn't lie, man. Um, so you made a, you made a post on Instagram and I don't, I can't recall because we went back and forth on a couple of different topics, but you may have, I may have already asked you this, but and if I did, just tell me, but you would let you, uh, can you elaborate on a statement you made on Instagram, which read, when you compete against everyone else, no one wants to help you. But when you compete against yourself, everyone wants to help you. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a, I remember when I, when I posted that, it, it, it's, it, it's an interesting part. I think as human by nature, we are more willing to help than we think. Mm -hmm. what, what I mean, we, we have actually some good in us, you know, mm -hmm. all this crazy world around us when, 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 when we, when we are working on ourselves, people are more willing to help us, you know, and, and I think that is a big, big statement, especially in jujitsu, when we, you know, we, jujitsu is such a unique, I think, sport where it, it is an individual sport, sport, hobby, whatever, whatever you want to call activity, whatever you want to call it, like we work on ourselves, but we can't work with our partners, like, I'm, you know, I mean, dummies were great during pandemic. I love them. Mm, like, yeah. There's only so much dummies I can do. Right. right. So we need our partners. So I think that's the important part kind of to, to think about it. So, you know, more we engage into 
working on ourselves, I think more people are willing to actually help us and engage. Now imagine what would happen if everybody was in that situation where everybody's helping each other, but at the same time, we're working on ourselves. It would be a great environment to really strong and continuous improvement as it goes on. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I think th- actually what's coming to my mind, you can tell me if I, if I grasp the concept correctly or if I'm wrong, but it was like, God, was it last week? It was last week or the week before I was rolling with a white belt and I, I had passed this guard and I was, I was in North South and I was, I was, you know, I was, pri- I was, uh, what do you call it? I tripoded up. So my shoulder was in his hips and my, head, my head's on the other side of his hip. He's like, he can't move, but he's really moving a lot underneath. He's wasting a lot of energy and he's just trying to get out and he can't get out. And I'm holding onto his, onto his wrist. And I'm just thinking, okay, I'll just let him, you know, tire himself out and I'll go. And long story short, I just, you know, I, I applied a Kimura and, and he, he tapped and that was it. And we kept going. And at the end, I said, you know, I told him, you know, you, you don't want to waste all that energy underneath, you know, you're, you're moving around, but you're doing it at the wrong time. You're wasting a lot of energy when you should be conserving your energy, waiting for a better opportunity to move. That's more efficient to actually get out of, get out of the submission. And, and I guess the point of what I was telling him is like, I'm, I'm trying to help you get better so I can get better. Does that make sense? So if we if we if we help the 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 newer people get better, that makes us better too because they learn they learn better jujitsu. So we have to up our ante. They learn how to counter our techniques. So we have to get better at how to apply our techniques, etc. So I, I I think I think that's sort of what you're saying. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. that's yeah. that's exactly it. I mean, yeah. it, we can't do jujitsu alone. We can't. No. It's no. we can watch only so many videos, read so many books, and listen to so many podcasts, and mm-hmm. you know, try and drill with so many dummies. Like it just mm-hmm. is. Very no. dynamics activity mm-hmm. and studying it, it it's really important. And studying with different people is really important. So mm-hmm. I always say, surround yourself with people who are better than you, yes. and you can be phenomenal. Yes, yes. I always make a point of rolling people who beat the brakes off me as much as I can. Yes, it's an interesting concept, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. um, I actually recently posted a video on YouTube. It is you know, should I train with a higher belt? And then I post a separate video. Should I be training with a lower belt? Mm-hmm. And it's um, as long as you understand, in my mind, at least, as long as you understand what the goals are between each and they're very different, mm-hmm. um, it's going to bring you a lot of success. You, you, your skills are going to continue going up. So like if I'm going to somebody who's much better than me, um, you know, like it, obviously I'm not a likelihood of me catching them in submission is very slow, very, very slim. Mm-hmm. Right? However, I can start reading what they are doing. How are right. they? Where's the weight? Mm-hmm. You know, and the, the expectations are very different now. I'm not trying to submit them. I'm not trying to even stop them, but I'm trying to understand what they are doing. And then we can start looking at how they set it up. Maybe they tapped you off five times. Well, how the hell did I do that? Mm-hmm. And then you take the second scenario where you're going with somebody who's by far less skilled. Now, if you tap them out 20 times, you know, did you achieve anything? Well, I don't know. Maybe point of satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Did, you, did you take anything tangible away from it? Right. Or you could enroll that person. You can flow with them. You can mm-hmm. manipulate the situation. You can explore new opportunities. Mm-hmm. You know, I often say that training with somebody who's just starting their journey could be actually more challenging than training with somebody who's been on the mat for 20 years. Because the guys who are just starting, they are more unpredictable. Right. It's not that they're trying to be unpredictable. They just don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And that creates unique scenarios, unique situations with which we need to deal with. Right. Yeah. So it is, it is different challenges, different goals, different obstacles. But from both situations, we can really draw some conclusions and really continue evolving, continue learning. Mm-hmm. 
No, I agree. I mean, I, when I roll with somebody who's much better than me, like much higher belt, I mean, the, the, the goal I usually have is try to reduce how many times they get submitted. So basically work on my defense. Like you mm -hmm. said, work, work on understanding what they're doing and how I can get ahead of the attack and defend it mm -hmm. and not get submitted. Um, so those are the things I try. Or, or can, I, can I actually pass their guard? You know, can I, you know, if I'm working on my guard passing, that's like a big thing for me right now. So, but yeah, when I'm with a role with a lighter person, I might, or I might work on something that I'm just starting to work on. So, you know, you want to get the mechanics down with somebody who's not as skilled and you might have, you know, better success to figure out what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong. Um, and then try it out with somebody who's about your same skill level as you feel more comfortable with it. Um, but yeah, those are all great points too. Um, so how about this? Do you, do you have a preference between gi or no gi jiu-jitsu? In your opinion, what are the most, uh, what are the major differences between the two and how can one complement the other? For the average enthusiast, what percentage of each would you recommend and why? Yeah, I, I think a lot of it's preference. I know these days um, there's a lot of emphasis on no gi. There's, you mm -hmm. see a lot of competition no gi. Um, I think there is an entertainment factor mm -hmm. uh, for no gi being a little bit more appealing, mm -hmm. right? Uh, the main, the main differences between each, is, I think, it's friction. I mean, that that's that's really what it boils down to, right? Mm -hmm. Majority and obviously the clothing. You cannot, you know, some of the chokes, um, gi chokes um, or lapel chokes are not available in no gi for mm -hmm. obvious reasons. There's no fabric. Um, but the biggest difference is, is the friction, right? So. Mm -hmm. With gi, you can slow things down significantly. You 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 are not going to be as dynamic. The transitions are not going to be as fast mm -hmm. as in the slippery no gi scenario. Right. Um, you know, so th those are the big factors. You know, in my mind, which one you should train, which one you shouldn't train, what the ratio is. I think that's going to really depend on your goals. If you want to, you know, really engage into um, no gi competition, obviously you need to be no gi. Like just it is what it is. You know, mm -hmm. um, I think for a very long time there was this um, um, thought of you have to train gi no matter what. And even mm -hmm. MMA guys were training, uh, you need to train gi no matter what. And even MMA guys were training in gi while right. they were training for MMA fights. You know, I think with the evolution of jiu-jitsu, that has changed. Mm -hmm. You know, if you, if you want to become an expert in no gi, you need to train no gi. That's just, it is what it is. If you mm -hmm. want to be good in, in a gi, you need to train gi. Like it's just, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. I, it's not right or wrong. They're just very, very different depending on mm -hmm. what the academy is doing, depending mm -hmm. on what student is, what their desires are and goals are. Mm -hmm. You know, I would focus because end of the day, listen, we got seven days in a week. Mm -hmm. You know, we got only a handful of hours to do this thing. Mm -hmm. Most of us, um, you know, have careers. Most of us have professions, families, kids, and all the other things that take up by far more time than jiu-jitsu will mm -hmm. um, and being very selective and very specific um, as far as the quality of training is really really important I mean mm -hmm. today I think with how busy the world is or how busy we are you know I think we are lucky when we get you know some some guys get only twice a week legit like yeah it, they don't have I have a couple of doctors in my academy and they work mm -hmm. literally 12 14 hour days mm -hmm. and they don't have time when they, when I see them, I was like, Whoa, high five, man. <laughs> you made it. Yeah. Man. <laughs> you know, and like, you know, even today, like I, you know, earlier we had classes in the morning and, and, you know, one of the guys came out, I was like, I haven't seen you this week. And he was like, I know my wife is pregnant and, and, you know, mm -hmm. it's just, it, you know, I have to be, a I was like, I get it. Congrats. Yeah. Good for you. This and mm -hmm. this and that. Let's have mm -hmm. good training. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we need to, we need, in my opinion, because we have such a limited time, we have to be smart about the training. We mm -hmm. have to, we have to be selective, mm -hmm. you know, and, and the, the, this, this is, I think where these different strategies 
come in really handy for every student. If you can come two, three times a week, maximize that. Mm-hmm. Make sure you drill. Make sure you, you know, even instead of watching nonsense on TV, watch some YouTube before you get to the class. Watch some mm-hmm. instructionals, whatever the case is. There's mm-hmm. so many subscription services these days. Mm-hmm. You can buy DVDs or almost any, any jujitsu thing. You can get listen, you can get anything for free on YouTube. Yeah. Look it up. It's free content. Yeah. Just watch one or two of them. Prepare yourself before the class. You just raised your success. Yeah. I mean, BGA Fanatics puts out so much free material. Like even just if you just go and look at like John Danaher's informa- uh, interviews or, mm-hmm. or videos, the free ones, like the commercials, basically, mm-hmm. you know, with, 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 with Bernardo, they're like 20, you know, 25, 30 minutes long. And there's actually a lot of good information in them. And, and I know when my, I, I don't care what anybody says. I know in my personal experience, I can watch a video take a couple of concepts that are like details that I didn't know before out of a major or an overall subject that I'm familiar with and apply them. I can go to the academy and just go apply them because they just stick in my head and I do them and they work. So I think it's a great way to, to train. I mean, on your own, as far as like what I said earlier about self-study and so forth, I think it's great. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, that stuff's available. It's readily available. It's whether or not, you know, you make the decision that you want to invest your own time into it and how important it is to you, I guess. Yeah. Um, I mean, like I, I, I currently train in an academy. Uh, I recently switched academies and I'm loving the experience, but the, you know, my new academy is primarily uh, no gi and where I came from is primarily gi. I mean, we had a no gi class, but I, because of scheduling, like you were saying before, you know, life, work, et cetera, I could never get there. You know, I did no gi, I think over eight, seven years, I think I did it probably a handful of times. Um, but now I'm doing the opposite or now I'm like, you know, training mainly no gi and I do gi once a week, but yeah, it's, I feel like I'm sort of evening myself out, but I also feel like they are two, like you said, they are sort of two separate arts. I mean, there's, there are different rule sets and, you know, you have the, all the, the hill hooks and everything in the no gi that aren't allowed in the gi. And, you know, so it, it is different. It is different. But I just want to get your opinion on it. I, I always ask that question. And I, I like the, I like to hear the responses. Um, if you had to pick uh, your top three concepts for practitioners should, that to focus on to develop an effective game, as quickly as possible, what would they be? Um, guard. Guard. Okay. guard. Whatever the guard is, I, mm-hmm. I think no matter how no matter how you look at jiu-jitsu, no matter how you slice the jiu-jitsu, we are always either passing the guard or defending the guard. Mm-hmm. Right. So knowing how to retain the guard, knowing how to have the defense mechanisms in play, in place, in in, mm-hmm. in having the ability to do that, I think it's 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 a critical and, you know, unquestionable point of jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. If you watch any of anything on, on any of the fights, super fights, or even worlds or, or, or Pan Ams, you know, gi or no gi, doesn't matter. Everybody's passing guard. The person mm-hmm. who passes the guard, first of all, the person who takes, gets the takedown, that person dominates. That's, that, mm-hmm. that's pure mm-hmm. statistics. Right. A person who passes the guard, most of the time, the person wins. Mm-hmm. So knowing how to defend yourself mm-hmm. is critical, in my opinion. Right. There's nothing more frustrating when you're trying to pass the guard and you can't. Yes. And it's not because they are squeezing you or they, mm-hmm. they have a closed guard. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking right. about the situation when you almost got to the side control mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they regard it. Mm-hmm. You almost got to the par- top mm-hmm. and you get swept. Mm-hmm. You, almost passing it and somehow they they got you again you watch me roll (laughs) there's nothing more frustrating about that right Mm -hmm. 
There's nothing mm -hmm. more frustrating. It's, it's so annoying, right? Mm -hmm. But yet, it is so powerful on the other side when you can use the mechanics of and their motion, their balance of being actively pressuring into you and you continue resetting, continue mm -hmm. resetting, right? Mm -hmm. Often, especially in the very beginning of our journeys, when we go, I would say, first two, three, four years, we hyper-focus on submissions mm -hmm. because it's a point of satisfaction. We right. win. You win. Yes, I got it, right? But And often, because we focus on the end result, we, we forget about some of these very important fundamentals, which is defending, mm. knowing how to create space, knowing how to keep that space, distance mm. control, right? And I'm not talking about knife fighting or, no, or no. self-defense. Yeah. I'm talking right. about we are flowing. We, we, mm. we are we, we, you passing my guard. I'm defending. I'm sweeping. I'm reversing. Knowing how to protect yourself in those aspects is critical. Mm -hmm. Majority questions that I get, especially in my privates, is how do I escape side control? Like, mm -hmm. That's one of the most common questions, right? So my, in my mind is if we could stop somebody from getting to our side control, we don't have to escape anymore, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, makes sense. Pretty simple concept. Now, now we need to work on how to prevent <clears throat> that from happening. What's, how, what is the concept of guard retention, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. cr creating these layers, space control, distance control, and so on, and continuous motion, um, weight distribution, and so on. So I, I think guard retention is one of the most important things that one should focus, especially on the very beginning of, of, of their journey. Right. Now, that's a great, great point. It reminds me of what Kurt Andrew used to always say. If, you, if, if you're already there, you already effed up a long time ago. It's sort of the same concept. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty simple, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. I can show yeah. you how to escape, but yeah. you messed up. Yeah, you, you messed up a long time ago. Yeah, you shouldn't <laughs> let him get there in the first place. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so what are your favorite training methods? Do you prefer free rolling, drilling, or situational sparring? Situational drilling? You know, I, I, yeah, we kind of um, touched on that a little bit earlier, but I think they have a very different purpose. Mm -hmm. And I think the one, the student who's able to dip into most of those buckets, most of those training methods, that student will succeed the most. That's how I, that's mm -hmm. how, that's in my mind, mm -hmm. what I mean by this, you know, coming to classes only is going to get you only so far, but if mm -hmm. you've never sparred in your life, you're going to get destroyed. It's not, right, you, right. your success won't be the same. Now on the flip side, if you come only to sparring sessions, but you never attend a class, you never explore opportunities of technique and mechanics and balance. Mm -hmm. You're just going to, you, you, you're not going to be successful, right? right? So it is very fine balance because we have limited time, mm -hmm. but it's very fine balance between classes, understanding techniques, continuous improvement of your mechanics, then flowing, right? Or even before flowing, I would say drilling, meaning mm -hmm. continuous repetition of the same move, so you make sure that that motion within that move is nice and fluid. You see the triggers, you can execute. Mm -hmm. Then we would get to flowing, which is connecting different techniques. And it's all about transition. It's not about the technique itself. It's about the transition between them, right? And then we can get into things like sparring, which is think of it like a, you know, midterm. You're testing mm -hmm. yourself, right? It's mm -hmm. let's see how that drilling, flowing, and the technique that we learned, how that actually is applicable in the more more real life scenario when motions are in play adrenaline is going up you know adrenaline is hitting you know and it, it, it all that is happening while my partner is trying to smash me you know or, or they're trying to defend me mm -hmm. so um that's like the midterm so i think a very happy balance for a student 
where they can dip into several of those opportunities is that's what raises the success, you know? So that, that's essentially what I try to do personally. I love training, spar, sparring hard. I, I mm. love it. You know, at 42, I'm not the same. My body's not the same as it was at 32 and 22, right. but I love training. I, mm. I do love training, uh, but I also love drilling. I, I love drilling. I love flowing. You know, I, I do, I do set separate time for myself for drilling and uh, you know, me and my partner will literally drill for an hour hour and a half mm -hmm. continuous repetition of the same motions mm -hmm. you know so and i'm a big fan of studying mm -hmm. i'm a big fan of studying i mm -hmm. i i watch you know instructionals i'll watch videos i'll analyze matches i'll make notes on them really mm -hmm. try to draw conclusions of what is happening why things work what is he trying to achieve you know so um yeah i try to invest a lot of time in that excellent so i want to touch this what you just said so how has your how has your sparring evolved in the last 20 years as you got older? Yeah. Yeah. So um, anybody who trained with me by, way back 20 years ago will tell you I was not the nicest training partner. <laughs> yeah. I, I always love running hard. I always uh -huh. have I've gone hard. Um, and that created a lot of wear and tear on my body too. Mm -hmm. um, but as time went on, I really... Um, put a lot of emphasis on, on, on flow and technique more than power and speed. Um, and today, you know, I would rather spar for an hour nonstop than mm -hmm. go, you know, two, seven minute rounds and be done. Right. Um, you know, and there's a, there, there's a purpose behind going hard, but that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that I, I try to find the recovery points within the matches. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I rarely try to sit out, you know, when I'm in sparring sessions, I'll go all the way through. Um, but I'm trying to find these recovery points during the time, you know, and at the same time, when we flowing, we flowing, like I have mm -hmm. no interest in submitting you or if mm -hmm. I do submit you as catch, catch and release. Right. You no, know, but I'm all about flowing. I'm all about these transitions and, mm -hmm. you know, finding, you know, if, if the partner is cooperative in that sense and we both have an interest of flowing, we'll flow, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll mm -hmm. flow for, you know, a long time. Excellent. Excellent. So, Outside of martial arts, what interests you have? Uh, nothing. I'm boring. <laughs> no. Um, it, it, you know, I used to, I used to run a lot, a lot, like mm -hmm. 30, 40 miles a week. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but my, my knees no longer allow me to do that. So at some point in the race, um, I converted to biking. So mm -hmm. I, I do bike. Um, I do bike quite a bit. Um, that's during summer. Mm. Illinois is not so uh, bike friendly during winter time. So, um, but that's, that's one of the things. And then obviously my family, my kiddo, my kiddos right. and, and all that takes up a lot of time. So I'm, I, you know, also I'm quite a bit interested in photography. I've been doing nice. photography for I, most of my life, honestly, like I, I remember getting a first camera 35 millimeter. My dad got me like, I think I was 80 years old. So I've been doing photography quite a bit. I done I've done professional photography. Nice. So um, that takes up a lot some of my time too. Mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. I try to, you know, um, from family to different, you know, art engagement points. Um, mm -hmm. so I do that as well. Well, it's very artistic. So you'll appreciate this next question. So I I'm an artist. So I like to draw. Um, I just do pen and paper type stuff, or Bristol board and ink. Um, but I especially like to do superhero stuff for a reason. I'm just a geek, I guess. So I like that stuff. Um, who's your favorite superhero? Uh, Batman. Oh, you're a, you're a man after my own heart. Batman, so, hands down. 
So, and, and here's my explanation. Uh-huh. He, he's one of the handful of superheroes who doesn't have superpowers. Exactly. Bottom. Exactly. That's why I love bottom. It's all about for me. Yeah, <laughs> I like I like the the fact that he's he's he has no superpowers. He's smart. You yeah. know, he's he's resourceful. Uh, you know, and he just gets it done. Uh, yeah, that's why it is my favorite as well. So, give me a couple months, and I'm going to send you a, a little thank you. Uh, for for doing the podcast, I had a great time talking with you today. Um, and uh, people can reach you at uh, on Instagram at Rosnick BJJ or at uh, Roll Under Slash Academy or at The Roll Radio. You also have a website at www.rollacademy.com. Are you on Facebook? Are you on Facebook as well? I am, but honestly, my Very Facebook rarely. is so underutilized that I don't yeah. check it. Instagram is the best way to get a hold mm-hmm. of me. I know my name is, is, is there's a lot of Z's and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> my dad's fault, not mine. I, I blame my dad for all the. <laughs> it's but, all good. It's all yeah, good. Um, you can you can easily find me on Instagram and, and feel free to reach out at any point. I, I respond to all mm-hmm. of the messages as, mm-hmm. as as I get them. No, it, it, was a, it was an honor having you on and uh, I really enjoyed the conversation. It was great. Hope you'll come back uh, in the future and uh, we can have another conversation. I love it. I love it. It was a great time. All right, great. All right. Thank you very much. And uh, like I said, I will be sending you a care package in a couple months. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Thanks.